Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. Hello, my name is Elliot, and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Today, I've got Scott Hill with me. Scott Hill is a member of Patreon, and he has been around a long time. If uh, um, I'm sure you guys remember Jordan on the Duck Gun Podcast. I know Scott's hunted with Jordan, and we'll talk about that. So uh, once a month, we meet here for a live stream at patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting, and I've got every patron's name on a wheel and i hit it and it spins and whoever's name it lands on that person comes and joins me on the podcast and quite honestly it has been a fantastic experience for me to get to know a little better these people now when i landed on scott's name scott's someone i've interacted a lot with someone i was familiar with so automatically i had a name to put to it and and uh so we kind of know each other a little bit. I kind of know your hobbies and everything. But the whole goal is just to find a random person and get to know their hunting life. Because as I'm learning, in America, different areas have different hunting hunting styles and hunting lives. And it's just a really, really fascinating, fascinating to get to know people. So if you want to be a part of this and come join us on the live stream once a month, and sometimes we have more than one live stream a month, if you want to get involved in the hunt giveaway or we've got a waterfowler course, or just a lot of extra content, extra episodes of, of the podcast, all sorts of stuff. I've been posting since 2016 on Patreon. So there is a ton of exclusive Patreon-only information, and August comes that hunt giveaway, which is the highlight of the year. That's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunt. So how are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm doing good. I'm can't, really glad to have you on weather already. What's the weather like there right now? Uh, probably mid 80s. 
Got what's nice breeze. That's why I'm out on the deck here. So. What's your humidity like? Uh, do you know the? Do you know what the humidity is? Uh, it's not that bad right now. Um, I got a breeze back here. If I go on the other side of the house, so it's right. It's yeah. It's now you live in Michigan, correct? Southeast Michigan, yeah. Southeast Michigan. So yeah. is the humidity uh, normally an issue there, or is it light? Oh, it gets it? no. It gets pretty bad. Yeah, it gets I, to the point where I don't even want to leave the house some days. You know, right? I found that um, I don't have a problem with even 100-degree days. What I have a problem with is humidity. I just spent eight days at Flatliner Kennels out in western Nebraska, which is elevation of 4,000 feet, and here in uh, this side of Kansas, we're at 900 feet, and I was looking up, and our average days here, the humidity is about 75 on average, and there it's 50, and they had a 95-degree day, and I didn't even think about the heat. I mean, you know, you get the sun on you, it's a little bit hot, but here, if it's 95-degree day, and I walk out and do anything at all, I'm instantly sweating. That Yeah, that's how it is with up here in Michigan. You know, my job, I hate it because it's I work in big heated hangers, you know, and, and it's like an oven. Right. And you add that humidity and it's just horrible, you know. So That's actually one thing I want to talk to you about because from interacting with you on Facebook or uh, Messenger or whatever, I know that you work in hangers on commercial airplanes, I believe. But I've always been a little curious. Tell me exactly what you do, what kind of airplanes you work on or jets or I, I don't know. Yeah, just kind of give me a little more about your about your job so we do a lot of uh private jets um you know the rich rich and famous like repair or, <laughs> create, or yeah. building them or create well, or I, repairing them or what i started out years ago um the the housing just crashed here in michigan uh what year about, was this we talked about 15 years ago okay and so i was a, a rough carpenter for 20 years you know trimming and so a buddy of mine got me into doing um, custom interiors on these corporate jets, Golf Streams, Challengers, mm. Hawkers, you name it. Um, and it was just, it was great. I mean, it was work that I loved, you know, detail. It was, it was just great. Got to, you know, flying these private jets. You know, it was just, it was really neat. And uh, yeah, so did that. That kind of slowed down around the COVID time. And now I do a lot of maintenance work on them. So, so at first you were when, what were you doing to the interior? Exactly. Like, give me, give me a, an example of exactly build, what you would have done. I do a lot of like uh, woodwork, ah. cabinetry. Um, but my shop, we do everything from upholstery, custom seats, um, the entire thing, carpet, cabinets, headliners, um, you name it, the whole interior so, so if correct me if i'm wrong but a really rich millionaire gets this multi-million dollar jet and they're like you know oh, yeah. what this sucks oh, come yeah. in here and customize this and give me what i really want this this sucks yeah you know and it, it just puts everything you know here it is i i struggle you know it's like okay i want to go up to the up on a duck hunt can i afford the gas and here are these guys bringing it you know they're doing a million dollar interior on these airplanes, you know and a million dollar interior are you kidding me oh yeah oh, you know, between, what can you possibly do to an interior that adds that gets to a million dollars it's avionics you know all the all the new equipment the best of the best and now yeah, you're not yeah. talking any of the actual functions that help this thing to fly you're just talking cosmetics right cosmetics um you know their audio equipment they're they're in avionics upgrades it's constant you know Things get outdated and they come in yeah. and, 
yeah it's it's wow. fun it's fun job. that's cool that's yeah, cool it's, it's neat so you said that you started working on the maintenance so do you work on the engines the engine and that kind of stuff or is um it, you know it's just maintaining limited. the interior no we do a lot of um they come in for you know say like a, a 72 month inspection which is a pretty big one and we go through the entire aircraft um pretty much from nose to tail wow and uh yeah it, so fun. every job's probably a little bit different then. Yeah, I mean on the maintenance end it's it's kind of the same thing. Um mm -hmm. you know, each job is consists of the same inspections for the most part, but yeah, it's but I got, you know, like I said, it's it's a learning experience. It's it's fun. I mean, I'm glad that they uh they give us that option to learn you know the the maintenance part of it. Um Yeah. I'd rather do the cabinetry work, but if we don't have it then I'm out on the floor. So uh, that's, that's really interesting. So what is your typical work week hours like and, and how, so how much do you get to hunt and what, what's your, is it a I nine to five or is it just like when you get it done, you're done or what? Uh, no, I mean like right now we, I, I work from six to two thirty, so I get out early it's, it's good through the summer months. I can get out and do some fishing and uh, Monday through Friday. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then we rotate, we have a, you know, I think every four weeks kind of on, on call, um, if there's something there that needs to be done, then I got to work, but it's um, like, this guy's really rich. He needs you here now. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 You know, he said now <laughs> you've got deep pockets. It, <laughs> it goes a long ways. You know, do those but guys yeah, ever I throw mean, tips around? No, no. Nah, they come they com on. They complain a lot. Jeez. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's got us perks. I mean, I'll jump on an airplane occasionally and, and go on test flights and, yeah. you know, spend, four hours and fly to like Louisiana or something and back or California and back. It's, oh, it's cool. pretty neat. So it's, yeah. it's got its benefits to it. How long know? does it take those private jets to get like to California from Michigan? I, you know what I want to say, I think it's like a, it's about a full day trip when you go on one of those to mm -hmm. California and back. So you just kick your feet up and mm -hmm. relax. Yeah. I mean, we got to do our checks, you know, um, you know, but that's, maybe an hour's worth of work, you know? And then, yeah. yeah. So you kick back and I mean, obviously you're not getting drinks served to you or nothing, but that was, I was thinking about asking that. I was like, I know they've got a loaded bar and I was like, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if you do still do the TikTok, or I know you did there for a short time. Uh, no, I, I, I'll tell you why in a second, but go ahead. But I did, I did a, a pretty funny video. I thought it was funny. Anyhow, I don't know if anybody else did, but I, I did the whole thing like I was flying on my private jet to go duck hunting and but I kind of had some of the interior, you know, going through and and all that. And uh, it's it's pretty. I mean, they're beautiful. I mean, I, I just yeah. couldn't imagine living that lifestyle, you know. Yeah, that would we, be we've nice. got some aircrafts there that they fly to. Uh, it's a Boeing business jet, seven thirty seven. And th this thing is it's like a house with wings. I mean, really, you know, they've got. Uh, two bedrooms two baths <laughs> it's just amazing showers i didn't I mean, even know that existed oh it's insane and these people fly to like maine or something the east coast just to go shopping you know get fresh, right. fresh lobster or whatever they're they're getting but you know See, a 30, when people 30 grand say, a trip you know when people say money doesn't buy happiness on the big scale i understand that oh. that's that that's true but if I had one of those and could go wherever I want and hunt wherever I want, I promise you I would be happier. Oh, <laughs> I'd be happier than now. Maybe it doesn't buy overall happiness, right. 
but it's going to make you happier. There's this, how can people say that? Well, I tell you, I, I probably have some gunner kennels and, you know, right. smell like an old wet dog in mine, but yeah. I mean, I think at the end, of, at the end of the day, if you're an unhappy person, you're going to be an unhappy person, but yeah, having well, one of those jets at my disposal, I guarantee you would bring me some joy. <laughs> very much. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's amazing to see what it, they cost, you know, to, to just own just, yeah. just on the maintenance end of it, what it costs, you know? Right. So I don't, I don't know. These guys are doing something I'm not. Yeah. So I know that <laughs> yeah. you are, you also are a content creator. You've got your YouTube channel. Now, are, are you a content creator on TikTok as well? I do. Yeah. What is your, you know, um, how I, do people I'm, find you on TikTok? Uh, well, I'm trying to think, what do I have? I think it's tat two, two, three. Tat two, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. T-A-T-T two, two, three. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I do a lot more of the fishing content on there because you know how it is. They, you know, I can't. They're a little rough on hunting. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can see these girls shaking body parts everywhere, (laughs) but you can't show, you know, some ducks on a tailgate. I just don't get it. That actually leads into why I got rid of TikTok. Okay. So I fell head over heels into TikTok and I, I love the funny TikToks. In fact, you remember Dan, old Danny boy. Oh yeah. Um, he kind of has a dark side to him, not in like a really sadistic way or anything, but he's just kind of pessimistic. And and so he saw, I was showing him my TikTok um, feed and he's like, man, I wish that my TikTok feed was like yours. Cause mine was just full of really, really funny stuff. And his, I guess is all yeah. depressing and everything. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm like, Dan, it's about what you watch. It curves to, you know, so what, what you like is what you like. So I, I, I really have high standards for myself with my wife, as far as, what I look at and, and I want to save all of that energy for my wife. And I just have really high right, standards yeah. like that. And on TikTok, inevitably, no matter what you're watching, they're going to put the sexy girls in front of you. Right. Oh, they, and they, so, yeah. It's like my, you know, I, I, you know, it's all the algorithm and I see a lot of right. the, the same thing, the fishing and the hunting, but it's like, I don't know where exactly here that, you know, boom. Right. Okay. Now, if great. you are completely swipe away from them, the second you see them, then it'll start filtering them out. Yeah. But if you even give a second hesitation, <laughs> it's oh, it, like they'll yeah, start filtering it in. And it changes so, your whole lineup of what you're seeing. Yeah. Right. And and I could sit down with my wife and watch TikTok and be pretty proud of it. Quite honestly, I really, really could. But number one, I enjoyed it so much that I was on it too much. Not not the girl side of it, but I mean, my TikTok feed was hilarious. I could sit down and kill <laughs> two, three hours just laughing and, and, and laughing, 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 laughing. But it was just too much time and then too much of that sexy girl stuff filtering in. I just, like I said, I want to save that part of my brain for, I, I just, you know, some of those girls are like 17, 18, I'm 50, you know? Oh, and yeah. So I'm like, I well, you know what? I used to make fun of my daughters for it. Um, they'd be, you know, they'd set their phones up on the counter and they'd <laughs> dance, you know, and it's like I'd jump behind them, make fun of them and stuff. And then, yeah, here it was a couple of years later and I'm making these stupid videos myself, you know, and I'll, but yeah, I've gone yeah. to Instagram reels and Instagram is the one place I got to a point, Scott, where every single social media thing I pulled up was hunting and ducks being killed. And I'm just like, I can't stand it anymore. I need one place that is not duck hunting. So I deliberately unfollowed a bunch of duck hunters and started following a bunch of ocean um, creators. Like there's white sharks. There's a, And so when I go to it, it's like, 
peaceful, this is my Instagram reels, peaceful ocean stuff and sharks and whales and divers. And it's my one little spot where I can get away from waterfowl hunting. Right. Yeah. So I like that. And I that's like something I feed. Yeah. I, you know, I'm still the old school, I guess, doing the uh, Facebook. And I, yeah, I don't even, I've got it, Instagram, never even use it. But yeah, I like it. I do like Instagram. It's more just, than... I've got, there's too much. I mean, there's, I got my phone. If I start going through all this, I'm just not going to put it down, you know? Yeah. I've been liking uh, YouTube shorts because I know YouTube really started pushing shorts and I really, really do enjoy YouTube shorts. And for some reason, for me, that ends up being a little more political stuff. And I'm not huge into politics, but somehow when I go there, I must like that because that's what it's, that's what it's given me. Yeah. Um, and, and Bill Murr, uh, not Bill Murr, Bill um, Burr. He oh, always oh. pops up on my, yeah. on my Instagram or on my uh, <laughs> YouTube shorts. He's, funny. he's great. He's a little crass, but really, really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move into the the hunting stuff. I know you're – or just doesn't have to be hunting. We can just go outdoors in general because I've watched enough of um, your stuff that you have a very wide range of outdoor activities that you like to do. So what what is your very favorite, whether it's hunting or fishing, what is your number one? Is it duck hunting or is it something else? Oh, it's definitely duck hunting, yeah. Right. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, I mean, I grew up, um, actually I grew up on this lake right behind me and, uh, I, uh, I grew up, you know, ice fishing, fishing through the summer months, but I, my big thing was like rabbit hunting with, uh, beagles with my grandfather. Mm, wow. And, uh, I, n- I never got into waterfowl hunting until I was 20. When I was 20 is when I started doing it when I got out of the army. And I tell you what, it was just something about it it was right. like I, I was a huge bow hunter as a kid growing up and boy the the first time i went on a, a mallard hunt it was like you know wow this is just yeah. amazing unbelievable and there's something here about i it. am you know 54 and you're yeah can't let it go every I don't, time, you know i, I save all my vacation time for it and mm-hmm. that's all i can't stop thinking about it so in in your waterfowling um how many times do you hunt a year and what are the typical environments that you have access to and, and that you hunt their lakes, rivers, marshes, I hunt, all of the above. That's what I was looking up on the hunt stats earlier. How many hunts I did. I did, I think 63 hunts. No, Holy. not 63 hunts, 25 hunts okay. last year. So that's not, not there. that many. It's mainly you were way off on that first one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's mainly weekends, you know, mm. Saturday, every Saturday, Sunday, I take, I try to take Fridays off during the hunting season, um, mm. you know, towards the last half of it, right. you know, when the cold weather's here, um, you know, and then I try to typically take off like a week of PTO right around Thanksgiving time, you know, to where I can roll the, the four days off and uh, get a couple weeks out of it by taking just a couple days of PTO with it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'd like to, to do it a lot more, but by the time in the winter months, by the time I get out of work, it's usually too late for like an afternoon hunt, you know, but rivers, marshes, lakes, uh, small creeks. I love, hmm. you know, small creeks and that run through marshes around here in Michigan. I mean, you, you hunted last year in Michigan up in the UP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you probably, did you? finally get to see one of her floating bogs i did i, yeah. I did 
Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. The whole area was. In, I love the trip. We didn't have much success, but the trip yeah. was really, really fun. Seeing the whole area and working our way up through Michigan. I I, I mm-hmm. can't in my mind place where we were on the first day, but I don't think that we were that far into Michigan on the. I first think you were morning. hunting over there. Yeah, the like Grand Rapids area. Or- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How far are you from Jordan? Do you know? Um... When I drove He's, down there and helped in that day on his bus, I think it was like two and a half, three hours. Okay. And you, know, you guys so, hunted together at least once, didn't you? Um, yeah, I think we've hunted about three times together over there okay. with Kevin's. Um, right. You know, they live over there, like Kalamazoo area, which was probably about the area you guys hunted, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, that's that's what's great about Michigan here. I mean, we do have a lot of public land, but. Like in my area, that's just the population of hunters just insane. I mean, really, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, that's why I like to get away to these. Um, my H twelve, you know, I've got the, right. the the blind on it, and I can get into these small creeks that run into mm-hmm. these cattail marshes and just get away from the crowds. So you're able to get away from people and away from visually seen houses as well. Oh yeah, yeah. That's we, great. Uh, um, you know, it depends on the water levels. Um, past couple of years, it seems like we've dried up a lot. And now we're struggling with uh, the beavers. I don't know. You guys have a lot of those out there? We do. They don't really cause many problems for me personally. In the areas that I hunt, um, they're not an issue. I mean, I've, yeah. I see them. And in fact, Georgie chased one. She was right behind it, yipping at it in the dark. It was a huge one. But they never just seem, they never really seem to cause any issues for, for where, I'm, yeah. where I hunt. Yeah, one of my in fact, favorites. If anything, they help things because they damn things up and cause pools to. I've never quite understood yeah. why people hate beavers so much. No one's explained it to me because, uh, like, one of the main, my favorite pool, I've killed more ducks, almost 150 ducks on this one pool um, over since about 2007. And um, I don't hunt it exclusively, I hunt it five, six times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that pool, I I went clear down the little channel and I found a beaver dam at the end of it. And that's what's keeping that whole thing full of water. And so more often than not, when I see beavers doing stuff, they're helping things, not hurting right. things. But I know so, people hate them. Well, in our spot, now we've got like six big beaver dams we've got to, uh, you know, drag. I mean, and we're, we're going through silty mud to get around these things. And, mm-hmm. you know, technically we're not supposed to mess with the, the dams. And it's just, you know, and it it's funny because... The creek, a couple of these creek systems we hunt, 
they have these little slews that come off of them, you know, at normal levels. And they tend to get those late morning birds coming in. Um, and it used to be great. Well, now, since they're dammed up, all this, you know, out to the sides of the creek are all flooded now. And I I think it's become more of a, a, a roosting area for them. So it so, sounds like a good thing, right? Well, I don't know. You get out there and, you know, you watch all these birds leave and they're gone oh, for I the see. day. It seems they're like, there at the but, wrong times. Yeah. You know, um, but that, that was last year was the first year that it was flooded that bad because of the beavers. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll get uh, get a grip on it and see what how it goes this year. But how I, how I was your it. year last year? Were you pretty successful? Up Was it a good year or poor year? Um, it was kind of slow. It was tough. Our weather was really bad, you know, warm. It was mm-hmm. on and off. I think it was real. If I remember right, it was like cold in October. Yeah. And then it got real warm again, November, December. Mm-hmm. But I killed, that's what the 63 was. I killed, that was all I shot last year was 63. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was, it was a tough season for sure. But, so what's that about a 2.5, 70, 65 divided by 23. Uh, yeah, that's just under three. That's not, that's not too bad. Oh, for okay. my average. Yeah. But yeah. You hunted 25 times. Yep. 2.6. I, I wouldn't consider that. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't consider that a, a bad but, year. Uh, you know, it's a lot of it too is, um, like I said, the pressure from other hunters. I mean, I see out by you guys, you guys can get away. It seems like, I, well, you know how it is with uh, watching videos. I mean, that yeah. seems a lot farther, but we'll get guys that'll set up on us constantly. Like, uh, not always, like in that creek spot's not too bad, mm. but stay down on my lake here or other lakes, local spots where it's public easy access is right. where it gets real bad. You'll get, a, yeah. you'll get guys set up, you know, 80 to hundred yards from you. And they just they ruin it. the hunt. It does, yeah, you know, does. these guys shoot at anything, no matter what, how high it is. And yeah, but we have plenty of marshes around me where I could go and get in those situations. Those are the easy access food pools that the, the mm-hmm. state has tons of millet in or smart weed, or sometimes they even put corn in it. Um, I just don't go to those pools. I work yeah. really, really hard to not go to the easy access places. And luckily I'm blessed with areas that have places that aren't really easy access. So I, I work incredibly hard to find places. If I were to go to the easy access pools, I could be that close to people all the time. And there are um, there are some places where I feel like at different complexes, a culture of that place will break out. Um, one in particular I'm thinking of where it's just kind of like people just set up close to each other. It's just like accepted mm-hmm. by everyone there. It's what you do. And if you get frustrated with them, you're the, you're the asshole, you know? Oh yeah. Because yeah. that's just, this is how they do it. This is, you know? Yeah. And you probably it, remember the one video I had that I was getting all frustrated and yelling at that guy, which is stupid of me, but <laughs> that was an easy you know access. What? It, happens. Cool. it happens to yeah. all of us, you know? Oh man. That just, made, I'll tell you what made me so mad is that these guys were, there was two groups set up on the dam. There's So there's two pools, a front pool and a back pool. We wanted to get to the back pool. It's hard to get to, but my dad was ha- having heart issues at that time. It just had a stent put in. It was like 70 and muggy, and we just couldn't make it. He just like, I can't make it that far. So we short stopped where we were going to go when we set up in this pool. 
and all the teal were pouring out of that back pool. They were coming across the dike and entering the pool. Well, you know how teal do. They fly into a pool, and then they start – they lower down, and they start buzzing around. If these guys just would have relaxed and let these birds come in over them, everyone would have shot their limit. But they they were just intent on the first time these teal came over them at somewhere between, no lie, 50 to 85, 90 yards – they were pulling the trigger. One of those yeah. groups had a spinner set out on the dam, on the top, on the road, on the dam. He had the spinner set up. And it was just like, if you guys just relax, we will all shoot our limit quickly with teal in our decoys and we can all smile and leave. Yeah. I just couldn't take it. I just, that's the only time I've lost my cool like that. That's I can, I can shoot a lot of geese down on my lake here. And, uh, and that's a problem I have, you know, I've got, I, I've got a blind out on the island. There's a small island out here, and I've got a, a kind of a permanent. It's been there for years. You know, I mm -hmm. built that thing God, 20 years ago, I think. And uh, so I'll get a lot of guys that'll, you know, whatever. I don't care. I mean, it's public land, sort of. Right. I mean, um, yeah. but yeah, I'll I'll go up to the other end of the lake and I'll I'll start working geese, and they'll do a big, you know, high pass, and then they'll turn and work around the lake. And come back over, like up towards where I'm at. And these guys, I'm not kidding you. It's like, what yeah. are they shooting at? I mean, they're yeah. literally, I mean, 100 yards above them, these guys shoot. And it, just, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't yeah. know if that, it's it's because they watch this on YouTube and the like the GoPros make it seem, you know what I mean? Right. Like the distance is, is the visual of it from GoPros. Yeah. Put well, the average, so, I, don't I don't know, know about that. Michigan, but in Kansas, the average guy hunts about three hunts a year, and that's your average show. So if you get a guy that hunts three times a year, if that's like, if everyone you see, you assume, well, that's probably a guy that does that, he's going to shoot at anything that comes close oh, to yeah. him because yeah. he because he's only coming out three times a year, and he's sure as hell going to pull the trigger, Yeah, you know, and that I think that's where the crossroads meets because it's hard. Now a hundred yard shots are just insane. Just ridiculous. And insane. Oh, it's, you just it's, don't understand your ammunition. If you're doing that. No, I mean, that tells me right there. Distance. You don't pattern, you know? Right. I mean, you, you don't know. You got to shoot your gun. Yeah. Right. But to expect guys like that to not shoot 40 to 50 yard shots when they're only out three times a year mm -hmm. and on a slow day, it's really difficult to say, don't shoot that, even though we don't want them to. I mean, I, it, but it ruins it. It ruins it for everyone in the, in it the marsh. Does. I mean, I've, I've had guys, I'm not kidding you. I've seen guys in a couple of the Creek spots and, and this is just one experience here, but these guys, me and my buddy, Dave, were coming back from a, a hunt and it was probably, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, we're coming back and there's a kind of a footbridge that we got a portage around. And I told Dave, I said, what is this down here at this, this dam or the, the footbridge? And I'm like, Oh, there's a couple guys sitting up there. They had like the big poofy, you know, coats on that you'd wear mm -hmm. if you're going to a football game, whatever, you know. And then we get up there and these guys are, you know, bright yellow coat and, and they got shotguns. <laughs> They're drinking yeah. beers. Oh my gosh. And they came up the creek in one of those blow up rafts. Like a, a plastic <laughs> blow up. <laughs> and I'm you know, and it's just like this this is what we're dealing with, you know. But <laughs> complete incompetence. And it's like what do you you know, you got the the beaver stick sticking up and they're in a, you know, $30 blow up raft <laughs> drinking great. beer, you know? So, man. Oh man, that's, yeah. that's something. So, that, so that's you, what I have to deal with I'm in Southeast Michigan here. Do you still have your hunt stats uh, account open? 
Uh, yeah. Well, I can. Can open you it tell me what? Um, like you shot sixty-five. What was your breakdown of species? Oh, uh, let's see here. Like how many of each duck? And while he's looking that up, freelance hunt stats is where. Uh, most of us keep our online hunting journal. We're changing the name to North American Waterfowler. Just getting ready to very, very soon roll out all the upgrades, new look, new features. You can upload images. You can track your dog retrieves. You can compete in a little fun leaderboards, which we expanded the leaderboard. So if you don't, if you have not made an account, guys, go to freelancehuntstats.com or the easiest way to do it is just hop on the app store whether it's Android or iOS and just look up hunt stats or freelance hunt stats and it, it will be there. And I'm keeping that website address, the freelance hunt It's the name is changing, but um, just for those of you that already have an account and use it and, and use that website, then that's the way to do it. But you can log the hunts on the website and it shows up on the app. The two are totally connected. It's a little bit better looking experience on the computer. Cause we can add more. There's just more space to add, um, high resolution images and actually I got, you know, Titus, right, Scott? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, he sent me, he does a lot of cool photos. So he sent me a bunch of his photos and I used them on the website version. Oh, no. Um, kidding. So in fact, some of them are his brother and him. So it's, it's really slick looking. The new, I haven't the new gone on there yet. I'll have to look at it. Well, it's not out public yet. Cause we're, we're having problems with the image upload. Oh, I thought you has, said a, a while ago. I thought you said there was like, you it could was. go and just sample it or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, I did put, right. Yeah, it's test.huntstats.com oh, okay. uh, or okay. test.freelancehuntstats.com. Right. Yeah, that's the testing. Yeah, my, my brother does that. He's into, you know, he used to hunt with me and now mm-hmm. he does nothing but shoots photos. That's cool. And he gets, he gets some beautiful uh, yeah. waterfowl photos. Yeah. All right, so you what do you want to know? Uh, for, like what 20, type of birds did you shoot? Season? How many mallards? How many whatever? For last year? Yeah. Last season? Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Give me a second here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, see how well you know how to use the filter system. That filter system, if you get accustomed to how to use it, it is incredible. Oh, I love you it. You can play this with stuff is, forever. You know, I think this is the fourth. Well, when did you come out with this? Because I, I got uh, around four years ago, 2017, 2018 okay. ish. And I love it. I mean, I don't think I've really been using it long enough to actually, you know, get a, a ton of information as far as weather and right. I mean, who, yeah, maybe, 
But so yeah, yeah the longer you're using it, the more of a value it is to you because yeah. then you can really break down why under what weather conditions you're successful at each of your locations. And that's yeah. really a cool tool for it. But go ahead. So yeah, I got two Gadwall, twenty three Drake Mallards, uh, eleven hen Mallards. I'm a hen killer. I don't care. <laughs> uh, two hen pintails, five shovelers, uh, hen widgeon uh three drake wood ducks and three hen wood ducks and 10 geese and two lawn darts two what lawn darts merganser common mergansers (laughs) you know on there where it says harvested trout right right yeah that's what jordan always says but yeah i don't know if you know this or not but on there where it says harvested if you click harvested it will sort them from your most shot duck down to your least shot there's all yeah, these little right. tiny things that people oh, sometimes don't do, which is actually kind of cool. So it'll it'll, so if or, I it'll order it. Yeah, oh, right there. Yeah, it'll yeah, it yeah. order it from the most, either from the least to the greatest. From the least to the most. Least. Okay. Yeah, it's a cool yeah. little feature. I didn't know that. And what I love to do on there is, because um, you you write you put in your own, you name your hunt site because no one I don't want people putting in image like I don't want to have access and I don't want to give mine to where. I could see where you're hunting or other people could. So you yeah. name your hunt location and you can name it whatever you want, but you can go in and in the filters and you can sort by a particular place and then hit filter and you can see all of your statistics just at that blind. Like you could have one that said Island blind for your, you right. Know? I right. love that feature. I've, you know, and I've been trying to do that with the, uh, the weather, you know, just on right. different of my, my lakes, creeks or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, and even a couple of my creek spots, you know, they're they're long, you know, a couple miles long, and I've got mm-hmm. like different pools in them. And even that, I've narrowed down with you know, like winds. The mm-hmm. wind is huge on that little little creek. Uh, yeah, and different areas of it with different winds are just seem to be hotter on certain winds. So, yep, yeah, I, I'm the same way. I've got a, a place I hunted a lot one year. I just found it. It was. Um, and last year it was dry, but I was looking at that because some days I always do okay in there, but some days it's just way better than others. And so far after like six hunts, it seems like a Southwest wind is the deal in there. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my numbers are just, that's when I have my best hunts in there. And I don't know, it's right. short, small data, but yeah, fun, fun to look at. Right. So tell me about, I know you're into kayak fishing. Yep. Tell me about your kayak fishing life. You're still using your H12. H12 is such a, isn't that fantastic um, kayak? I, you know what? Last, well, uh, when was it? Last spring, I bought a, a pedal kayak. Oh, wonderful. Now, yeah, it's it's like a 13 and a half foot um, old town. And, you know, I live right here on the Great Lakes and I do Lake Erie, Saginaw Bay, mm-hmm. um, Lake St. Clair. And this thing has just been great. Um and got, I mean, I can go out there all I'm out there some days, 12 hours, you know, just wow. pedaling away and take a little snack with you and some drinks. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. You, know, you do that alone. Do you do that alone or with you have a uh, buddy sometimes my brother's got the same kayak. We both bought mm-hmm. the same one and uh, we'll go out. Generally, we'll go out. You know, when we do like the big water for walleye, mm-hmm. we'll go out. Um, it's always better to have someone with you when you're going three, four, five miles out. So, right. What, what are you fishing for? Um, walleye for the mm-hmm. most part 
How, you know? What's your method? I'm not much of a, a walleye fisherman. I know here in Kansas, um, kind of, kind of how they do it on reservoirs. But tell me, what's yeah, your method? So a lot of times we're, we'll troll. Um, so you'll use um, line counter reels. You know, so you spool your reel up with a certain amount of line, and ten pound XT. Uh, the trilene is what I use on mine. You got to use a certain line to get your counter to work right. So I use an app, uh, precision data and trolling data. And what it does is for each lure, you purchase a lure and it's got all the information, uh, speed, line back, and it puts you right on the fish or the depth where you're, so you're looking at your sonar. Now you see the depth these walleye are at and you pull up your, for that certain lure, you can put that lure right, right in that fish's face, you know, Hmm. just above them. Mm -hmm. Um, that's for crankbaits. Like this time of year, we'll do a lot of... And you use uh, crankbaits for walleye? Crankbaits for mm-hmm. walleye? Okay. Yep. This time of year, we're using um, what they call bottom bouncers with crawler harnesses. So you're, you've got a big wire that's kind of bent, like a, almost like a like that. Mm-hmm. Big lead piece down on the bottom here, like two, three ounce, depending on your depth. And then your crawler harness comes off the back, you know, probably three foot. And you, hmm. you just want that thing to tick the bottom. And, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, some days you go out and you get a limit. Some days you go out and catch nothing but sheep's head or drum, you know, the freshwater drum, mm-hmm. smallmouth. Right. But, yeah, it's, small it's, it's awesome. I, I mean, it kills the summer. You know, when it's real hot and humid, it's mm-hmm. not, that too, not that bad out there on the lake. So Yeah, oh, that's cool passes time I, you know, but it, it takes I'm, away from the dog training though <laughs> i found out yeah tell, tell me about your dog tell, tell me about how old is your dog what kind of training remy uh done? she's she was four in may i think we got it actually about the same as georgie yeah, yeah that almost exactly about, yeah right because georgie turned four on mother like right around like the 12th of may actually yeah that's i i can't remember the date exact date but it's right yeah, in there they're right about the same same age so um yeah it's a male it's male chessy right uh female yeah female chessy okay yep yeah she no. oh she's doing great you know i mean she should be a lot doing a lot better but that's my fault you know we don't uh right i mean we we've got the hand signals you know the left the rights the backs mm-hmm. um yeah i saw you working on that i don't remember where you posted it you posted Gosh, I felt like it was on Instagram, but you posted uh, where you were going through hand signals. Yeah, I think it's probably like on the sig or uh, the um, stories on Facebook. Oh, okay, but right. yeah, we're trying. I'm trying to get her. Uh, we're working hard on the angle backs mm-hmm. right now, and she's you know, when I say she's struggling, I think it's more or less me. You know, it's always the handler's fault. Yeah. So. What do you have any particular but, drills that you're doing with angled backs? Um, no, not real. I mean, we just started getting into the angle backs. Um, we're just kind of going back and refreshing on the, the left and rights right now, mm-hmm. the overs, but I've got, uh, a guy that's probably about an hour South of here. Um, we're getting together on Sunday. It's going to mm-hmm. be hot, but we're going to get up early and go out to the, uh, the HRC has some, uh, training grounds mm, about nice. half hour, 40 minutes from me. And we're going to head up there Sunday morning. Cool. Um, you know, I mean, I, I use the CGA, um, but I've kind of, you What's know, CGA, the cornerstone gun oh, dog, yeah, Academy. gun dog Academy. Right. Right. You know, and I kind of go, 
back and forth, you know, from some of the guys that I know that dog train. And so we kind of train all over the place. So do you, that's, so that's then you didn't go through force fetch then probably. I did a little bit. Okay. Cause I don't yeah. think that they teach force fetch. Teach they you, don't, do they? you know, and they don't do the, the e-collars. Um, and, and do you do the e-collar? I do when I'm hunting like big areas with other, do- you know, cause she, mm-hmm. she hasn't hunted with a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. She's hunted with a few dogs, but when we go to like the, um, the draws, I'd like to have a collar on her just right. as a safety thing, you mm-hmm. know, more or less, but we don't really train with it. It's there just as a backup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I had never used a collar until Georgia. In fact, when I got Georgie from Flatliner Kennels, I was talking to Chris Jobman and I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to use a, a collar and, uh, he said, well, it's your dog. You can do what you want. He said, but that's the best training tool that's ever been mm-hmm. invented. And after, you, right. after using it, if you're right, absolutely. You, yeah. have, you, someone with a horrible temper that doesn't know how to work dogs, it can be terrible with it. But that same mm-hmm. guy with that one's probably just going to be beating their dog unmercifully. So, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. if you've got, if you have anger issues, you shouldn't be training dogs. Um, right. In fact, I spent, I just got back. I spent eight, eight days out there with Flatlander Kennels. I'm just getting content. Unbelievable, Scott. So Chris Jobman is one of the best trainers in North America. He's got more accomplished um, um, grand titles with his dogs than about it's him and Chris Aiken and, and a couple others. And so for eight days when I ran Georgie, he'd just stand right behind me and just tell me what I was doing wrong, coach me. And it was just the most wonderful experience. It was, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I saw him, I sat for days on end and watch him work his dogs. And a lot of people feel like the pro trainers are a little hard, hard on their dogs. And I can tell you this, as far as this trainer, he is masterful. He uses a collar when he needs to not one time that I ever feel like he overused it. It's just, if, if some dogs don't need it, he won't use it. If, I mean, I was just so impressed with, with specifically his use of, of the e-collar. Um, and, and I, I just will never, ever, train a dog without without any collar it's just to me it's just like training with one hand time behind your back it's just yeah so yeah. beneficial sometimes the dog just needs i mean not a punishment but it just needs a little i guess attention right <laughs> you know right just, well and it's like if georgie's across the yard if she's 50 yards across the yard from me and i want her to know i don't care where you are you will you will obey me I don't mm-hmm. And and once you start using an e-collar, my experience is I rarely use it. Now in training, when we're working on blinds and stuff, we, you know, we it, we use it on low settings. But as far as like, none of my dogs would come to me at a distance when I didn't use an e-collar. And I know that some guys that are really really good at it, they can get their dog to do that. I cannot get a dog without an e-collar at seventy yards in my backyard to come to me. They ignore me. They and it's even the with the whistle. Yeah. With well, I, I will say I never trained um, my other two dogs with a, with any kind of whistle. Okay. So, may, uh, and uh, and again, I'm not saying people can't do it. This is just my personal experience is that it was just so frustrating to have one. And now when Georgie doesn't wear her e-collar in the yard, but she'll come to me mm-hmm. because I've, because I've taken her through. Right. Right. And then that's the same steps. with Remy. You know, I could take her out right now. And if I tell her to heal, she's right there at my side. I mean, Right. Quick, you know, so, but we like a wonderful thing. We've been slacking a bit because of the fishing season and you can, I can tell you right now, you can see it, you know, and it's amazing how quick 
if you get off that, that schedule right. of the training, I mean, it, you can notice it very quickly. Yeah. I so. slacked off during hunting season. I got really laps with, uh, with oh, enforcing everything we'd done in training in the field. I just got lazy. And so she was, had regressed a lot during the season compared to where she was going into season. And, and, uh, I've been working hard this off season. Next hunting season, I'm going to make an absolute priority that whatever we do in training, you do in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to view it as an extension of training. Yeah. Um, which I haven't, and we'll see how, if I can do that. I get so excited. <laughs> talking, at, you know. And so at what, how long ago, I mean, did you notice Georgie say age two, age three, like a, that, that, oh, okay. We went to a puppy, puppyish acting to mm-hmm. now I'm listening, paying attention a little more. Yeah. It was when I took her through e-collar training. <laughs> e-collar training. Okay. I, I, before e-collar training, I made a horrible mistake one day. I was cleaning ducks and she was just a little puppy. And I thought it would be funny just to toss her a duck. Mm-hmm. And she took that thing and she ran and I didn't want her to eat it. And I made a second mistake of chasing her. And me <laughs> and three family members spent about 15 minutes chasing her around. In fact, at one point my dad dove at her and of course she loved it. Right. And from <laughs> that game. moment, from that moment on, something clicked in her and I could not have her off the leash. If I, if I let her off the leash, it was, I may or may not get her back for 20 minutes. And that was the case until I took her through e-collar. And once I took her through e-collar training, it was, it was gone. It was, it was over. Over. I don't know what I would have done. And I induced that in her. I did. It was my fault, but she was at such a, this was, Oh, she probably went through e-collar at like seven months. I'm mm-hmm. thinking uh, maybe six, six, seven months. You know, she was in such a bad spot before that. But once I got, once I force fetched her, once I took her to the e-collar conditioning, everything, just that was, everything changed yeah. from that point on. I know her, her first two years, it was horrible. It was like, I'd, I'd turn around in the blind, you know, and she'd be there in her stand and, you know, she would be half out, but she would be. She went on that breast, pulling all the, you know, it's like, yeah. and it was the hardest thing to break, but now yeah. she's, you know, finally over that. And I think that's that, that was that puppy stage. You know, she was kind of whatever it was, a terrible twos or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but. that I've had, my first dog was like that. She was kind of crazy her whole life, but uh, up until two, she was insane. And yeah. after two, she noticeably calmed down after two. Yeah. And I didn't train yeah. her at all and on anything. I took her hunting. She was a disaster, but she had all sorts of drive, but she was just insane in the house until about two. And then she finally yeah. kind of, Georgie's always naturally been calm in the house. Even as a puppy, she's just always been calm in the house. Oh, that's how Remy is. I can, I mean, she, she goes, as soon as she gets in the house, she's boom on the couch, just taking it yeah. over, you know? <laughs> yeah. But she's a beautiful dog. Yeah. They, uh, I tell you dog. what, they make, they make the hunting, uh, more enjoyable you right know, i just i can go out there all day and not see a duck and still have a good time you know yeah once you once you get that bond between your hunting I, i'm of the belief duck hunting is meant to be accompanied with a dog just like upland hunting is. Oh, it's, it's, it's a sport that's that is just in fully enriched with a dog now not everyone wants a dog not everyone's a dog person and that's fine but in my mind it's just it's not the same experience if you don't have your companion right there loving it every bit as much as you do physically oh, more physically capable for the environment than you are mm-hmm. and doing it with you. It's just fulfilling. Well, 
the the few times that I haven't taken her with me, it's you know I felt regret the the entire day. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then I think I get a little attitude when I come home too from her. <laughs> they will do that, won't they? They will. Yeah. yeah. If Georgie doesn't train for a couple of days, she she sits on the couch and she gives me these eyes, and it's not she does not mad. I can just see the energy boiling over in her eyes. She's like, please, yeah, please get me out, work me. <laughs> it's like you know, I and the, this time of year we get all the geese on you know down on the lawn with all the young, you know, and they're leaving all those nice green tootsie rolls all over my yard down there, and mm-hmm. but she'll sit here on just. I should start sending her down to the lake and chase them off, but it could be a bad habit for her. But right, yeah, that probably you know. would be. So, um, tell everyone what the name of your YouTube channel is. Uh, Scott Hill Outdoors. Scott Hill Outdoors. So, if you yeah, want to check out what he's doing nothing. in Michigan, check it out. Yeah, it's just me, you know, doing what I love to do. I mean, it's on the the editing level, it's probably about a two, <laughs> you know, but. It's it's just there, you know, something that I can always go back and watch, you know, grandkids can watch it. Yep. And, Log in your adventures uh, so that you won't forget. That's yeah. the main, that's the main benefit of it. Yeah, exactly. That's so, what it's about. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready this year so much. I just, it's been such a terrible year so far. I'm, I'm ready for the hunting season. It'll be here soon. It yeah. will be here soon. We're almost to July. And when when do you guys when's your season start? Uh dove season starts September first and teal is the first weekend of September in Nebraska. So I'll go into right. Nebraska for that weekend and then Kansas is the very next weekend. So Yeah. I'll I think Michigan's one of Michigan's one of the only states that doesn't allow the dove still. So Oh jeez. Yeah. It's just sickening. <laughs> We've tried I don't dove hunt every year, but we sure got into a good one last year. I took my mom and my dad and went back to an old stomping ground that we used to hunt when I was a kid. I did see was, that on the pond. Yeah, I remember that. That was really, really enjoyable. If if I had more time, I would love to, because that normally starts on, depending on when it falls, but a lot of times it starts like on a Wednesday or Thursday, and I'd love to go dove hunt and then go right from there to teal hunt. I just don't have the days off I need to. Yeah. Be able to fully well, actualize like, what I want to do. It's like the kickoff to the hunting season, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten how fun teal or uh, dove hunting was until I went again this year because we've always done it around ponds, and so mm-hmm. we're splashing them in the water. We've never done it in sunflower fields like other people and stuff like that. There's just something yeah. about hunting around water and splashing birds in the water that's just a lot of fun. Oh, now, do you take the dog? Will you take the dog? Mm-hmm. Or? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was her last dove hunt. She struggled at first smelling them and finding them. She just didn't know what the deal was. She got better as that went on, but she struggled with them at first. Yeah, I see a lot of dogs having problems, it seems like. They'll pick them up and the feathers really yeah. come out. Yeah, and just finding them. She wasn't nosing them. She just wasn't finding them at all. So I was a little frustrated, huh. and then I started researching. It's like some dogs just struggle with that scent. So and I don't scent. think she's got a world-class nose. She's a world-class breeded retriever but i don't think she has a world-class nose i think she's got a very average nose um like you know jordan's dog well rest in peace chief his nose yeah. was just all world <laughs> oh that i tell you what yeah you'd watch him go into some thick nasty stuff and here he comes you know right yeah i think georgie gets obsessed with her speed a little bit and and use and wants to use that in her eyes and forgets mm-hmm. to slow down and 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 use your nose. Although I am noticing the the deeper I get into the training and casting, 
Um, she's slowing down a little bit because she's learning to think through things. And so she's slowing down a little bit, which is, I like her being fast and she still is fast, but slowing down for her is probably a good thing. Yeah. You know. That's how Remy is. I mean, she will, uh, she will work, work so hard and, you know, I'll give her a whistle stop to give her a cast. And it's almost, it's, sometimes you could just tell she doesn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. she will, but she's, she's still kind of, you know, looking right. around instead of looking back at me, but we're yeah. working on it. That's one thing Chris um, worked with me a lot at Flatliner Kennels is that I was casting her too fast. So I'd hit the whistle and I need to give myself a, a little longer for her just to fully be a, giving me attention where I was casting too fast. And once I slowed down to just waited to cast her longer, I, I mean, the difference in how well she was handling was night and day different. Yeah. That was one of the main things I picked up on there. It's like my energy and my energy and motions is becoming too hyper. And mm-hmm. I just, I've got a really fast, really high energy dog. I need to be the calm one, the the slow one slowing her down which was a really a good lesson they say that you want to slow the fast dogs down and speed the slow dogs up yeah and i i've noticed i don't know if you've ever noticed with georgie um when i start getting that frustration or you know that that trying to the dog senses it and it's Mm, it's amazing how quick they sense it and how quick it goes the training goes south yeah once they do sense that you know and right yeah, I've, controlling I've yourself this. is a big part of it. It's the it's probably the hardest part it's, of it. It is. It is. And you know what? Once I find myself getting that, you know, the the ringing in my ears, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time to go in the house or yeah. you know get in the truck for a while, take a drive, and come back at it. You know, yeah, half hour that's later a, or something. That's a great piece so, of advice for everyone when you're training yeah. a dog, for sure. Because if it's if yeah. you feel yourself boiling over, you need to shut it down because it's yeah. only going to get worse from there. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I. The, the older I get, the better I'm, I am with it, you know, but right. I know years ago it was like, okay, once the temper was there, it's, <laughs> it's not going away. Yeah. But I think yeah. it comes with age. You're going to, yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, um, I appreciate you being on here. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and um, keep you here while we spin the wheel for the next one. How's that sound? Yeah. All right. Sounds so good. those of you that are here, and I guess even if you're not here, I'm going to um, pick the next podcast guest let me share the screen uh, here it is okay all right so i've got everyone's name on a wheel and i well, the way that i work this is if you're signed up for five dollars a month your name's on here five times if you're signed up for 25 dollars a month your name's on here 25 times so that's it's weighted based on that so let's go ahead here we go spinning it up i don't know i don't know if anyone else can hear the Audio of the wheel spinning or just us? Who do we got? Winner is Chris Whitaker. All right. Chris Whitaker. All right. So I got one more question for you. When are you doing yep. the next hunt test? I am July 22nd. I'm going up to, there's actually one in Wisconsin the 1st of July that I'm kind of thinking about going to, but I don't think I will. Uh, so I'm going up to South Dakota on July 22nd. Georgie got hurt and missed a test here in Kansas, and she missed two days of testing in Nebraska, which was really disappointing. But yeah. So we've got July 22nd. But she, honestly, she's a lot more equipped to excel at the test now that I spent eight days at Flatliner Kennels. Right. So those hunt We're tests good. are so much fun. Have you thought about I getting know. into those yeah, at all? You know, I, so I was going to do her the, um, the started with her back mm-hmm. in April. 
or was it March? March. And I got rear-ended and my truck was, they totaled the frame on it. So I couldn't go on that. And then uh, I'm still waiting on a frame. I can't believe they're replacing a frame on a truck, you know, oh, but whatever it is, what it is. Yeah. So I'm still waiting on that. But it's just, you know, and you know, I mean, it takes so much time with this dog yep. training. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do love the, the dog training, um, but I do love doing a lot of other things outdoors. And right. it's like, you know, I want, I want to have the best hunting dog I can, mm-hmm. you know, but I also like enjoying my hunt and my fishing and, you right. know. I have fallen in love with the hunt test world. I really didn't know that I would. I was just doing it to prove that I could do it. And now she's got one of her four passes for her hunting retriever champion title. And I've just fallen absolutely in love with it. I've just, it's the community, the fun of it. And so mm-hmm. now training is so much more fun now. Yeah. That I'm a little more knowledgeable. I'm a little more purposeful. The whole thing is more fun and less tedious than it than it used to be. Yeah. So I would just encourage you well, to just jump in a start if she's steady and brings to hand. Oh, jump yeah. in a started just to see and train you know, if you fall in love with it, training becomes a lot more fun. Yeah. You I think find I'm, yourself a nice little group too. All you need is one or two people. Well, I've got I've got about 30, 40 minutes from me, the HRC um mm-hmm where they do the hunt test and the, yeah. the training grounds. So I can join that for, I think, 125 a year. Mm-hmm. And I can go out there, use the training grounds, you know, and train with other guys and yeah. you know, kind of get the feel for it. So going right. out there Sunday morning, it's supposed to be hot, so I don't think we'll last too long out there. But at least get my foot in the door and see, you know. I mean, I went out there last, I think it was last summer, and watched uh, a lot of the started. And it's like, I know mm-hmm. she can pass it blindfolded, yeah. you know. Right. Um and then we went over to the the finished, and it was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a big step up. Okay, do I really want to put that much time and effort? You know, I mean, because I mean, I think these guys just live by this stuff. You know, it's yeah. like every day there. You know, and I nothing nothing wrong with it, but a little too much. You know, work. well, yeah, it might be for me, but who knows? I mean, I do enjoy the the dog training, so we'll see. But you could always dabble her and start, and be like, you know what, my goal is by the time she's nine. Yeah. To, you know, and just creep along at it. Um, I don't, I don't know how far I know Georgie's going to get her HRC, um, hunting retriever champion title. Then we'll go over to AKC and we're going to get the master title. And from there, I don't know. We'll, we'll just see if I ever think she's good enough to go to any of those big events or not. I, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I have no, I've got, I've got, if I keep spending time out at Flatliner Kennels, I would imagine that she's going to be at some point in her life have a chance to go to oh yeah absolutely it's a long life i got a long time so i'm just like yeah we're just gonna take it slow and see where this thing goes and as long as i'm having fun doing it i'm gonna do it i tell you what that's all that counts right yeah for real all right well thank you again for for coming on here appreciate you being at patreon and being such a vocal part of the waterfowl community we need more more guys like you out there waterfowling and fishing and i appreciate you coming on here and Spend well, a little time for having us. me. Yeah, it was fun. All right. And those of you that are watching from Patreon, thank you for showing up. Um, this has been another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. And those of you that are watching on Patreon, I'm, I'm going to stop the recording now. So, again, I just wanted to thank you guys for coming around. Feel free to message me to say hi or anything at all. <laughs>